welcome back to an I Decided series. This, this next interview that I have an opportunity to do is with a friend who's been a close friend for a long time, great man. Uh, he's a doctor, he's a surgeon, he's currently the Director of Medical Services at the Mater Hospital while still being a surgeon, an oncologist, if I'm correct. And Ralph, from a young age, even from a high school age, had a, a real passion in his heart to really follow the conviction that he feels that to to be on this planet and to do something significant is is to stay in line with his purpose. Ralph decided as a young man uh, to pursue medicine. We're going to kick off our, our conversation pretty quickly today and get into it. And welcome, Ralph. And thanks for being on board Hi. for our I Decided series. It's a pleasure. Yeah, a real pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. So, Ralph, Throughout this series, what I've wanted to do is to inspire young people to follow a dream that's inside their house, to live a little bit more than mediocre, you know, to be able to pursue something that they feel it's a passion, drives them towards creating a better future for themselves and potentially for other people as well. So when did you start believing in this passion and, and pursuing the passion that, that now currently has shaped your life? Yeah, so um, to... That really started as a as a teenager, I would say. Um, so, 1979, 80. Um, I was year 12, and I. I I basically wanted to be a farmer. Okay. I was at, I was at um, James Roos. I was doing agriculture and sheep husbandry and wool science, and uh, I was sort of thinking I would become a farmer. Uh, one one night, I just had this thought that I, I was a Christian and I hadn't even contemplated what God wanted me to do with my life. And so I decided that I would pray about it. And so at that time, I was getting up to study for my HSC. I was pretty diligent. I used to get up um, four or five in the morning and do a three-unit uh, maths paper before I went to school. But that morning, I decided instead of doing the maths paper, I would um, I'd just pray about what I wanted to do, and what God wanted me to do with my life. And I um, and then went to school after that. And the first period, the, the teacher was away and the science mistress came in and she uh, talked about this medical school in Newcastle um, where you could get in on aptitude as well as, as, well as marks. And I walked out of the classroom thinking, well, knowing really that I was going to go to Newcastle and I was going to study medicine. It's been a very, very useful seed for a career. Uh, that's a very strong conviction as a young man. So who did you first share your idea with and, and why did you share it with that person? Okay, so the first person I did was actually my um, girlfriend. It later became my wife. But um, anyway, she was at school and uh, came out of that classroom and I was walking down the playground and she was walking up and I said, I'm going to go to Newcastle and do medicine. She said, well, I might as well go overseas and do something else. <laughs> anyway. Just, just um, what you needed to hear. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what happened. Mm. She didn't go and we hung around together, which was very good. And what age were you married, Ralph? I'm 19. Got married. We're, um, we're both 19. I was almost mature. I was only a couple of weeks off 20. Yeah, so you'd almost hit <laughs> chapter two. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, oh, no, we, were, we were children. Um, we were young, 
it's in, it's actually quite incredible that you can in fact make a decision at that stage. There are many many nasty stories, I suppose, of young people who've done that. Many people actually told us that we were stupid and that we would probably not that would not be a good decision. But we've had we have been very happily married and still very happily married. It's many years down the track, and it's the best decision. That's great. Hmm. You know, having watched the two of you for many years, uh, I'd echo that. It's been an awesome decision, and and you both bring definitely the best out in each other. So Yeah, absolutely. Who else did you share the idea with about this uh, whole medical idea and moving to Newcastle? Yeah, probably family. I don't actually remember. I don't really remember... Um, getting much influence from other people at that stage. I was pretty self-driven. I, 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 again, I, I did actually share it later uh, with the head, uh, the headmaster. That's another interesting story. So we, you had this um, once-a-year conversation with the headmaster. Okay. And so they had sort of uh, – so he called me in for his conversation – I was also playing. I was playing rugby, and I, when I was in the, first, the rugby first team, he wanted to win the Waratah Shield again because we, mm-hmm. we'd won it the year before. I said I wanted to go and do medicine, and he um he told me that I should give up on my aspirations of doing medicine and concentrate on my rugby, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was which was pretty interesting advice for a young guy doing his HSC. It's, it's, it's incredible. When I I did go back and tell the head miss, uh, the the science mistress about uh, the fact that I got into medicine after I got into medicine I told her about her thing and she was a, a sort of strong atheist so she sort of struggled with the fact that she'd had I just remember her commenting on the, the you know was sort of nice to play some role in something good like that but you know she she also didn't really. Uh, get it at that stage and that's that's okay that's all good yeah. my family I don't I, I don't come from a medical family certainly my family had no no suggestion that that was where, where they thought I was heading or and we're all still pretty much amazed really about anyway I, I remember just being a normal little rat bag so <laughs> it's um it is actually quite interesting to see what can what can happen so where did you, in the early years of moving through medical school and supporting yourself and being newlywed, what were some of the pieces of advice, of advice that you got from peers, from, from lecturers, from people that you're working with in the, hus- in the hospital that are still valuable for you today? I, I don't know. What to, I, probably a chief of surgery type thing, I, I suppose. This was actually at in, when I first started as an intern, it was the orientation day at the start. I remember the guy who was the, the chief of surgery came in and gave a talk um, about uh, learning from your mistakes. In all honesty, he said that every every day I'll every day I make a mistake, um, and you know, not some little mistake like giving ten times the normal dose of morphine or something like that. Uh, which to me, was just a horrendous sort of thought that you might actually do that. He said, nah. No, I'll make a mistake. But but the thing is, whatever whatever it is, I I learn from it. So if I if I go um, if I've learned if something's gone on or something, and and that's been pretty important lesson through surgery. I think surgery is not that forgiving. The things that you can, I mean, it's very forgiving in some ways. 
but the the the, the, um, the bodies were amazing, and the things that you can do to someone really, it's amazing to think that you can cut someone open and pull bits out and then put them back together and it heals. That in itself is just incredible, really. But if if there's things that go wrong, you don't want that to happen twice. It's mm. it's a it's a it's not a good thing. So um, learn from your mistakes. My father used to always just say, "You only get out of life what you put into it." Yes. And um, he is, was a very was very actively involved in lots of lots of things and quite inspiring as a young man when you compared other dads in terms of how much activity they were doing and things and so I, I, I did actually pick that up um, as well. There's lots of things you learn from nearly everyone you, you meet I suppose. What's been some significant discoveries that you've been able to to make over over your career in in firstly establishing your own business but then also in your profession where, where you've learned and, and, and found some some kind of pivotal points or turning points for you? Turning points I suppose um, I, I, I would talk about Again, it's working out what you're going to do with your life is actually is pretty important. So as a medical student, uh, about third year medical student, I, I went to uh, Thailand and I was uh, working in a little tiny hospital in, in the middle of Thailand. I was actually with uh, a, a, an American doctor who was there, who was a, a missionary doctor, who was actually probably under-trained in some ways, um, but he was he was doing a really amazing thing um, where he was in the world at the time, and this night a young guy got shot. The surgeon, the guy I was with, was a surgeon, and he was also the anaesthetist. And he, uh, he so he basically was trying to do everything to resuscitate this bloke. And he had some junior medical student who was me trying to help him, and so clearly under resourced. I remember just being up to my elbows in blood trying to help help him and never really getting in control of the situation. And then this young this young guy died. And I thought, mm, I better learn how to operate. And it was pretty much as simple as that for me. It was like there was another incident with a, a woman with an obstructed labour. And, uh, and we were again out in the sticks, a different place, a tiny little hospital, and they bundled the woman back into the back of the ute and uh, down she went down the hill and it was about 80 kilometres dirt road or whatever, whatever to the next place. And I'm there, I'm thinking, well, that lady or baby's going to be dead. Again, I thought I'd just better learn to operate. So that was my um, turning point. I really, um, I think I, I then came back and I, I decided I wanted to be a, um, I wanted to learn to operate. And the only way to learn to operate uh, was actually to become a surgeon. Yes. And um, so it's a very competitive game. But, in fact, I just actually just decided I wanted to operate. And and somehow I end up at the end of that six years or whatever, that you're a specialist. And so it, it wasn't in my mind. I probably just took each step each day and ended up at the end rather than I'm not. I didn't set out to become a specialist, and I found it pretty that pretty interesting. I at the end at the end of my training as well. I then thought I'll go back to Thailand or Africa or something like that and do some operating there. And interestingly, I applied for a couple of jobs, and they were looking for local surgeons rather than someone from overseas. I ended up 
being offered a job in a professorial unit in the UK with the guy who was uh, who was the president of the Association of Surgeons of Great Britain and Ireland, and and the other person in the unit was the president of the Association of Surgeons in Training um, for Great Britain and Ireland, and in fact it was the the unit that was running surgery for the for the country. And again, it's just one of those little things. You think, how did I find myself here? And uh, it was useful, and it was very interesting to. And so we lived there for a, a year and a half, or something like that. It's amazing so, when you find yourself in certain places you never expected to find yourself. Yeah, absolutely. How to, how to capitalise on that opportunity? Yeah, yeah, and it was fabulous. We really, really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was great for, for lots of reasons at that time. Um, was uh, was very good for us and our family. It was a, it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, what's been a, a significant moment in either your professional career or personal career where you felt like this is this is now something that I hoped I would be able to do one day? I don't know. I I find myself always ahead. I I find myself landing ahead of where I imagined I've ever could could be. So I actually yeah. really. Had that. It's been a really interesting thing. I, I, I am, I am stunned at some of where where life will take you. Really, you know. I, I remember being a junior, and then all of a sudden you're you're a boss. And I remember being a junior um, consultant, and then all of a sudden you're the head of department. And um, so those things were not necessarily things are chased. I recently been the director of surgery for uh, for four or five years and we did actually have some fairly major successes. So I was I was pretty pleased with some of the outcomes there. Uh, we I, I felt like we were we we in Newcastle had probably not offered a very good breast reconstructive surgery um, service for people who had, had breast cancer. And so for years, I felt like that. And then we tried to get the plastic surgeons on board and it just was a whole lot of politics and stuff. So in the end, I decided I'd go and learn how, how to do it. And and then having learned how to do it, I then was somehow able to start setting up a unit and then then you employ people who make that unit grow and then you draw in the, uh, the plastics. And in fact, I, the other people, are, you know, are the, the key and they're the ones that will make it happen. But I did actually get it started. And so it's an incredible, it's, that's pretty incredible. And most recently my, my surgical practice has been going fine, really well, but I felt that there was a, a, a sense of a change. And and so I uh, they advertised the job of director of medical services, which is an executive position in the hospital. Basically, it's um, a senior medical uh, role. And anyway, when it first was advertised, I thought, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, and I talked with my wife again, and she didn't really want me to do that. So I let it go. But it didn't actually go away from me. And they didn't get the applicant that they wanted, and so they re-advertised it. And I did. I just had this this sense again in my spirit that that was one of the things that I uh, that it was time to to do do that. Interestingly, one of the more influential people in my career was probably the director of medical services 25 years ago, or something like that. Who was just positive and had it was a, a positive influence in my career, and I. I find it fairly interesting to be in in that very job that you know 25 years later. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's interesting. Yeah, that's that's your role now. Yeah. 
So we're, when we're looking now towards the future, you know, the, the roles and the responsibilities they have, they give us opportunities to create change and to, to forge futures for yourself and others. It doesn't have to be too prescriptive in that sense. It can still be organic as well as being dynamic. But where, where would you like to shape what happens at the MARA and in your own business now? What's the next level you'd like to take it to? Okay, so the things that I've been thinking about and working on at the moment, I actually think that there's a there's a, a dangerous place for our community in and people who are mentally unwell and are physically unwell. So if you're in the in, if you happen to find yourself in that position where you're both mentally unwell and physically unwell, that's a dangerous place. Even for for carers for people in there, I think that they, there's there's gaps in that. So I'm in the position where the the mental hospital, Mater Mental Hospital, is uh, co-located on the same as the Calvary Mater. I'm now in a position to interact with them and to try and change uh, that. So that's the important thing. Is just influences in uh, how how to make a hospital efficient and efficient mm. not not for financial reasons, efficient for medical reasons to make sure that people get really good care. Uh, that, that's uh, it's challenging. I mean, last night I read a review which basically looked at the doctor satisfaction in in, in the yeah in in their relationships with, with the the hospital. And it just does show significant significant challenges. And there's a lot of people who are not interacting well between a hospital executive and, and the clinical stream. And that's that's not good. So uh, it actually is something that I am wanting to help and fix. And anyway, it's uh, they're, they're big challenges. And at the moment, it's all set in, a, in the context of a pandemic where you're hoping that everyone goes very well it's not necessarily the best time to choose to be in hospital leadership so again I'm having a, a role and an influence in 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 that and how we how we deal with that so it's good it's interesting yeah it's interesting as as any organization grows whether it be small now and one day scale to something large keeping the soul your why of who mm. you are and what you do in your system because things must be systemized for it to be successful in the larger group yeah, people need to know what the system is but keeping that soul alive in there is such a critical part you know the foundation the the whole reason the martyr hospitals exist has got a it's got a statement about it yeah it's a really interesting thing and in that that does have um just the, the values of the, of the hospital they clearly have uh, resonated in me it's not something that i set out to to set set out to align myself with particularly, but they do align with what I think as a, a strong Catholic ethos. I'm not and come from a Catholic background, uh, but they they have uh, do have a Christian ethos ethos which I have aligned with. I, I, I quite and that's that's been good. I I've spent reason, reasonable amount of time just recently talking with the Hun in New England, so it's it's not like I'm, I'm one one or the other. It's actually mm. uh, it's actually interested in improving the health really of the whole city so it's um it's just a it should be good yeah when the tide rises all the ships come up don't they yeah <laughs> absolutely so ralph you know i know that you've you've brought life to a lot of people and you've observed you know when people move from this life to the next and and uh, and i know you've had to manage both of those things but one day one day there'll be a sentence 
maybe a paragraph that describes your life. I'm just wondering what, what you think you would like that to say. I don't know. Um, I really don't know what the final sentence would uh, be. I, I, um, uh, I remember one of my other colleagues saying it at the end of my registrar training. Um, so this was before we went away. He just, he just said, mm, "Played hard, done good." <laughs> I, don't I, I, I don't know what. That, I don't have any aspirations to get to that day very quickly. I'm pretty keen on being alive and well for quite some Absolutely. Time. And um, so I, I'm not going to write that, am I? Um, someone else will write that. Well, I know you've been a good friend, a good mate, and uh, and a great inspiration to many. You've you've lived a life that has been out there in front, and you've made many decisions that have affected uh, greatly the lives of others. So I really appreciate your time. Appreciate you being part of this uh, podcast series. I wish you all the best in this fairly new role in a, in a very, very difficult time. Uh, I know you've been definitely somebody who's made a, made a living and made a difference. Thank you yeah. so much uh, for your time today. I look forward to uh, hearing more of the uh, exploits that happen in your life and Ross's life and your kids and, uh, and congratulations. So well done. Well, thank you. And thank you very much for inviting me and all the best with it. 